0: Greetings, listeners, and uh, welcome to episode 3 of the Great Bath Podcast. Uh, (coughs) I realise it's been a while, and uh, it's been a crazy few weeks, a lot of things happening, a lot of learning, a lot to see, a lot to hear. We'll make it, nevertheless. So, um, before I move on to today's topic, um, I should probably note how long has it been since I last recorded. Um, Since the last episode, my life has taken a turn towards the more eventful and well, that is certainly that I am. That is certainly something that I'm very grateful for. It does bring along its own fair share of stresses, if you know what I mean. <coughs> Regardless, whatever happens um, in my life, there is always one singular constant. Which is physical training, and that is precisely what we will be talking about today. So you know, buckle um, your butts in, grab yourself a drink, sit in a nice warm corner, and uh, <laughs> let's get started. Yeah. So. Um, i want you to really take a second and um visualize your ideal self because i believe that training is all about um attaining your own ideal potential self rather than uh, idealizing someone else so i've seen many people um idealize other people like say Arnold Schwarzenegger or more recently um, Christopher Bumstead but but, um, even though I do see the benefit in having clear role models um, I believe nothing else is more powerful than truly visualizing what you yourself want to be so I want you to take ten seconds and really really feel what would it be like to be the strongest, fastest, um, most powerful, most extravagant version of yourself. Just really take it in. It's important for you to note that as you were trying to visualize your potential higher self you must have felt a cocktail of different emotions anger perhaps um, regret inspiration hope so many different emotions and I want you to remember each of them because they will all contribute to your journey in training before i start um i'd like to talk a little about my own history of training um <laughs> growing up i was a pretty athletic kid decently athletic I took part in my fair share of sports competitions um represented my school my state at and at even some levels um my uh, provinces within my country. Um, I was pretty involved in swimming, uh, basketball, tennis, and football. These were all the sports I enjoyed usually. Um, And uh, I had never really paid a lot of attention to proper structured training until I was 14 or 13. I'd had a bit of a, a bit of a rough time from ages eleven to twelve. Um, I'd gained a lot of weight back then because I lived in this hill station, which was known for its uh, its uh, disconnect from regular civilization. And there were you know, I wasn't living like a normal kid. I didn't go out to play. I didn't have anyone to socialize with back then. I was the only kid in the station. So, uh, yeah, for two years I was essentially locked inside with nothing else to accompany me except my dog and my computer. And I haven't gain a lot of weight in those two years, which obviously led to a lot of shame and self-hatred given how I had been athletic and, you know, just generally a very, very cool and popular kid before that, um, as in from ages 5 to 10. So um, once I turned 13, I started training body weight. I was introduced to calisthenics by a friend and I started just training, you know, whatever I could. Push-ups, sit-ups, dips, occasional runs. I used to take part in these marathons, even though I did terribly at them. Uh, I guess I was always just the struggling fat kid in everyone's eyes back then. But yeah, so I um, did calisthenics for a good, I think, three years. Yeah, 13, 14, 15, 16. I did calisthenics for a good three years and um, after that I gradually picked up on uh, weight training. So when I moved to cities, I got a gym membership and uh, all else is history. So um, to me, what improvement in training essentially means is Giving my athletic self, you know, my myself from when I was five all the way to when I was 10, giving that version of myself something to look up to is primarily what I aim with with my training, you know, on top of everything else. Obviously, there's health, there's aesthetics, there's strength, there's an overall sense of well-being. But for me, the really deep-rooted personal reason is I want to give five-year-old me something to look up to. It all sounds very abstract, I'm aware, but that's sort of how my mind works. And um, obviously, our ancestors used to go through great hardships. They didn't have structured workout programs like we do. They didn't have structured diets like we do. They just how to deal with the hardships, you know what I mean? Um, And the least we can do is try to simulate that. And, um, yeah, basically honor the legacy, I guess, which is a big part of it. Now, one question I get asked a lot when people are interested in training is they ask me, do I start with body weight training or do I start directly with weight training? So my answer to that is usually um, because I started with body weight training and that gave me a very good foundation. I was a chubby kid. That gave me a very good foundation into how being strong, having strength, over your own body feels like, and I would credit a lot of my progress in lifting in weight training to that, to those initial years of developing my um, foundations in bodyweight training. But mind you, I was a very very chubby kid with uh, you know not a lot of athleticism left in me by those years. So generally as a rule of thumb if at this level you're playing some sport you're athletic you're in decent shape i would say go directly for lifting you know you can probably figure out your way you can screw around and um, find your way through the basics of it but if you're non-athletic if you're used to staying in doze all the time if you're not a very athletic person by nature if you're overtly skinny or overtly obese or fat, I would highly recommend you spend at least some time developing foundational strength before you step into weights. Um, Partly because I do think that weight training has a bit of a higher learning curve than bodyweight training. And bodyweight training does come a little more naturally to people. So yeah, that's my... um, two cents on it. Regarding training, um, this episode is for people who have already decided on training and you know could use some practical trips uh, tips sorry (laughs) on how to train but um, aside from that I do think it's in everyone's best interests to train whether you're a man or a woman or a child more on that later perhaps another episode this is just covering the practicalities of it you know the the bare bones um facts usually i don't like to involve myself in uh, people usually call me a very idealistic person but this episode i'd like to focus on what is objective now it doesn't matter whether you're training body weight Or your training with normal mainstream weights the one thing that you need to develop strength and muscle is progressive overload what means let me explain if you lift a goat let's just say you're a goat herder if you lift a goat that weighs 10 kgs 10 kilograms for one week it is very likely that you'll be able to lift a goat that weighs 15 kgs the following week what does that mean? that from the stresses from the resistance of lifting the 10 kilogram goat for one week you have grown stronger you have developed more muscle mass and therefore you are now able to lift a 15 kilogram goat. Now, it depends how long you're able to lift the 15 kilogram goat before you develop the strength to lift the 20 kilogram goat and so on and so on. Progressive overload essentially means that to keep on getting strong, you have to start increasing the resistors that are part of your training um, regimen. I know it sounds very basic and obvious, but most people tend to overlook that. They enter the the gym day after day and do the same number of reps, same number of sets with the same amount of weight and expect to be stronger. Basic thing. Your body won't get stronger unless it's posed with a challenge it is not properly equipped to undertake. Only if it's not completely equipped to undertake the current challenge will it be able to overgrow its limits and develop. Now, there is a certain balance. Obviously, you can't completely overlook your body's limits. There is a certain sweet spot between challenging your limits and uh making sure you don't die <laughs> under the weight. And uh I do believe that comes with experience. I mean just following things man. Uh, <laughs> so um for those of you that are going to be getting a new gym membership soon um You may be tempted to hire a trainer or an instructor as soon as possible, or a coach, which is decent, which is probably the most logical thing you can do. But um, personally, it is my opinion that the kind of trainer that you hire for yourself has a very big impact with how you view training as a whole. Um, You know, even with training there is a certain learning curve you know you don't just show up to the gym and immediately know how to structure all your workouts how to do every single exercise with perfect form obviously there's a learning curve and it's important that you keep yourself having fun through the learning curve otherwise it's all just a very boring pointless activity um and with coaches i've noticed that um some of my acquaintances recently started going to the gym and they hired a coach for themselves. And the coach that they hired was your classic uh, over, overbearing coach that would tell them everything. Here's the exercise that you do. Here's how many sets you do. Here's how many reps you do. Here's how you do it. They essentially structured the entire workout for them day after day and as they were doing the exercises they would just stand on top of the head you know like a like a supervisor now for some people that may have their own pros and cons some people like to be ordered around some people like to be told what to do all the time but i believe that this is a this is a deterrent to truly being self-sufficient with the training. I see the advantages of having an instructor that can make sure you're performing your exercises safely and that you're performing the correct training routine and the correct forms of training. But um, I feel this, uh, the safety net that a lot of modern gyms have with their trainers, where the trainer is telling you top to bottom everything. This is you. This is what you do. This is how you do it. And if you stray from this, you know, if you stray from this, you're wrong. They're like very dictatorial sort of people, if you get what I mean. Uh, and I don't like that. I recently happened to go to a very fancy gym like one of those high class rich society gyms I usually go to a fairly uh, fairly decent gym with not a lot of budget for instructors but enough budget for good equipment but this one was like completely different and you know they had, uh, they had people to rack on the weights for you to prepare your lifts for you, to keep back the weights when you're done, they had people to coach you, to assist you through your lifts, to support you, just so much, so much um, hand holding, and I found myself didn't I found myself not liking that at all. Um, I'm a person who likes to go through my regimen quite independently, um, and you know. Having someone fold and unfold my mats for me was uh, just not it. And, uh, yeah, so if you're uh, looking into a coach, I'd say you set boundaries with what you want your coach to do. Me, for example, um, there's an instructor at my gym and I only approach him for advice if I am not sure what to do on a particular exercise or how to do it so it's more of an effort on my part to go and approach him for guidance or advice than him constantly being on my head which is a comfortable place for me and uh, you know my mother for example she recently started uh, Doing weights and she finds herself clueless as to what to do because all her life. She's essentially been uh, Trained by instructors that told her what to do how to do at every given second and she never really developed the skills to um, Program her own workouts So yeah That's uh be self-sufficient You can probably depend on a trainer for some time, but it's like that old saying, if a kid has to learn swimming, you have to throw it in, you have to throw the kid in the deep end of the pool. (laughs) God, I'd make an amazing dad. I know. Thanks. Now, I've already spoken in depth on why weight training is important for men I mean you are men we are the divine protectors of this planet the providers the hunters (laughs) I mean if we're not strong who will be right Um, but women women weightlifting with women has long been a question mark like a huge one a big blaring question mark on people's minds and faces and uh, even my local gym instructor often says that women should not weight train because they end up getting bulky and they start looking like men many of you believe this however Contrary to popular belief, I would greatly disagree. First things first. The main hormone that dictates muscle development is testosterone, you know, good old hard testosterone. And men have 17 times the testosterone that women do. What means? It means that men can build muscle a lot more faster and a lot more efficiently than women, right? Women will probably not see a lot of gains in terms of muscle when weight training because of their lack of um, testosterone. And um, to be fair, you can probably overcome that effect with uh, synthetic testosterone that a lot of female bodybuilders take. But I wouldn't recommend that for the very simple reason that it um, may wreck the harmony of your biology as a woman. And uh, you may not want that. I mean, given that there's transgenders running around who've um, converted their bodies into a dystopia with drugs and... Uh, their reproductive organs into ruins via surgery which is a different thing but saddening nonetheless so women um, weight training won't make you bulky and the number one wish I hear the most often when I ask women what they want out of their training is to quote unquote lose weight and tone up um, and I think weight training will help you achieve that and um, firstly I think I really want to address the fact that most people say they want to lose weight while uh, what they should be saying is that they'll want to lose fat your weight has nothing to do with how you look or how you perform but rather it is the, um, the balance between fat and muscle in your body. So, if you truly want to be healthy, you should probably say, I want to lose fat rather than losing weight. Weight has nothing to do with it. Lose fat, get at a healthy body fat percentage, which is uh, roughly around, I think, 20% for women and 15% for men. Um, and yeah, it's not that hard. So for women, weight training would have the benefits of um, making it easier for them to lose the fat because there will be um, a higher concentration of muscle in their bodies, though usually not visible muscle. The higher concentration of muscle would um, therefore make their metabolism faster, making it easier for them to lose weight. Uh, No, sorry, lose fat. Lose fat um, and women usually face this issue since their fat is a lot more distributed in their body and it's closer to to their skin which makes it a little harder to lose than uh, men so women uh, weight training will uh, not make you bulky it won't make you look like Rambo um, as much as I wish it did uh, so you can go ahead and weight train as much as you want whilst you're retaining a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle so I'd highly recommend it for women and uh, now that I think about it Who the hell came up with toning? What is toning? I never really quite understood it. I mean, uh, a toned body is a relatively muscular body with a healthy fat percentage, like a body fat percentage, um, wherein you can see some muscle definition and great proportions. And proportions are controlled by your hormones so if you have healthy hormones as a woman you'll naturally get an hourglass type of shape and as a man you'll get a triangular shape which is broad shoulders narrow waist so high testosterone results in a masculine shape whilst high progesterone results in an hourglass sort of shape notice how i said progesterone and not estrogen because I do believe that the true female hormone is progesterone rather than estrogen. Estrogen um, acts more as a stress hormone. So I just imagine a toned body to be a healthy one with properly functioning hormones, uh, which is kind of rare to find these days now that I think about it, you know, with, um, all that synthetic food going around, and indoor habits. (laughs) But I try to remain hopeful. I really do, as you can see. Now, for a little story about how muscle is built. Now, for me, muscle is I treat it as one of my organs if my heart gives me the strength to survive I think my muscle along with my brain of course gives me the strength to thrive one step ahead and that um, building muscle is a lot like uh, keeping your organs intact, keeping them functioning. However, instead of just survival, it is going one step ahead and trying to dominate, trying to conquer, to thrive. And that is where muscle really comes in. Now, doing my best not to overcomplicate things, here's the deal, okay? muscle needs resistance to grow now first step you offer your body some resistance which is slightly greater than the resistance it already has the capability to handle now let's say my body can handle 10 kgs it has the capability to confidently handle 10 kgs I have to offer it fifteen or twenty kgs if I want muscle to grow. Now, once I offer it that resistance and successfully complete going you know actions, repetitive actions of going against that resistance, that will trigger a growth mechanism within my body, the growth of muscle. And to support that growth mechanism, I can do two things. One is rest and recover. Recovery and rest encompasses two parts. First is a general recovery. Recovery from general fatigue, which is you know just a regular feeling of tiredness when you go through resistance exercises, giving your central nervous system time to relax and recover and the second is localized recovery which is often quicker so let's say i've done a couple of push-ups my arms are probably sore and they'll stop being sore after a while that is um that is localized recovery but that general feeling of tiredness may take a bit longer to go away and rest and recovery is all about optimizing that recovery time and making sure that growth mechanism happens as quickly as possible. The second part to ensuring your growth mechanism acts optimally is your diet. Now your diet is I think in my opinion kind of a make or break deal like your training won't really matter unless your diet is um, on point It's um, a lot of people like to speak at end about diet and they talk a lot about it, maybe a little too much. But it is my sincere belief that your diet should depend on where you're looking to go. Want to gain a little bit of decent size, want to get a little bigger, um, want to get a little more bulkier, then eat a little more. I say a little, a little more, right? And uh, if you want to get leaner, you want to get more toned, so to say. You want to get uh, a bit more definition, a bit more proportion. I'd say eat a little less. Now, I realize that eat a little more and eat a little less are all very vague um, statements. But um, when you're generally eating healthy it's much easier to eat more or eat less instinctively. Which brings me to tracking calories. I'm not a supporter of tracking calories because though it may work in the short term, you are in the long term compromising your ability to listen to your hunger mechanisms and your um, ghrelin, uh, your ghrelin mechanism. Ghrelin is the hormone which signals how much to eat to your body. So. Though counting calories may work in the short term, you are compromising your ability to listen to yourself and listen to your appetite in the long term. So, uh, yeah, eat well. I think most of us have a general idea of what eating well means, but um, if you don't, just in case, It's really sad if you do not but just in case just in case, okay eating well means It means eating whole foods foods that are You know real foods that have been directly attained from nature or attained from nature in the least processed way possible so For me, that would be meat, lots of meat, um, organ meats, muscle meats, meat in general, fruits, vegetables, um, simple grains. And by simple grains, I mean grains that you can cultivate without the need of fancy machinery or grains that don't require a lot of processing to cultivate. Uh, a good example is uh, hand pound rice or jasmine rice, which you know requires the least processing. On the other hand, on the other hand, wheat requires lots of processing, lots of you know um, labor, energy, and lots of resources. So wheat is something I'm not a huge fan of, um, but grain generally I'm not a huge fan of. But when I do eat grain, it's Usually, rice, so least processed in terms of grain, is your best friend. Otherwise, aim for no processed food at all. So, for me, an ideal diet would look like um, meat, beef, mutton, chicken, organ meats, liver, kidney, heart, Um, lots of eggs. God, I love eggs. I mean, I can't imagine eating anything else for breakfast. Have eggs, drink eggs raw, you know, drink the yolk, it's beautiful. Um fruits, I love fruits, fruits of all kind. They're like fruits are essentially made to be eaten because they mimic meat and meat is probably meat is objectively the best superfood that is available to us and fruits mimic that so fruits are a definite um vegetables can be fine if they're seasonal i wouldn't recommend trying to go for vegetables that don't grow in your native land then it doesn't make sense at all um uh, pretty much yeah meat eggs dairy dairy is a big one I love dairy, yoghurt, milk, however make sure that you're drinking raw milk because the pasteurization process that most milk goes through destroys a lot of its nutritional properties and uh, I realize getting raw milk is illegal in a lot of countries but still try your best, I think raw milk has definitively changed my life, really. (laughs) Um, honey i'm a big fan of yeah sugars i forgot sugars so the thing with sugars is that sugars are great as long as you're getting them from the right source the right source meaning fructose based sugars now regular refined white sugar is usually sucrose that is um that is uh, you know a sort of a more complex form of sugar it takes longer to digest its sucrose um, but naturally occurring sugars are lactose which is found in milk and dairy products and fructose which is found in fruits honey and cane sugar which makes them naturally sweet uh, so i don't think sugars are your enemy in fact, with some foods, I think it's essential to consume sugars. So just make sure you're getting your sugars from the right source. Um, I'm a big fan of honey, um, fermented cane juice. I like jaggery, and, you know, basic, very simple sugars that our ancestors have been eating for years. Probably your grandmother used to make that um, water and jaggery mixture. Yeah, it's different. And uh, salt, I do believe salt is essential to our functioning. As humans. But I don't like the taste of iodized salt. I think it frankly tastes disgusting, which is why I get sea salt. Sea salt is a lot better, makes me feel better. Makes my food taste better, and uh, a normal everyday meal for me would. And you know, I try to cook most of my meals myself. A normal everyday meal for me would look like um, a bit of scrambled eggs in uh, ghee, meat also cooked in ghee, a bit of rice um, drizzled with olive oil and salt, with a side serving of either milk or yogurt, fermented yogurt, also called kefir in many countries. I like simple food. I don't like all these fancy preparations that you get in a lot of cultures, you know, with the heavy gravies and tomato-based relishes and whatnot. Uh, Yeah, I like simple food. I think it tastes the best. Just give me meat, eggs and rice, I'll be happy. You know, I'm a simple man. So um, yeah. by the way, um, just so you know, soya is uh, soy is terrible for you. Stop eating it. I'm not going to explain why. Just stop. It's heavily processed, goes through a thousand heat treatments. It's all meant to be eaten. Just stop. stop. there's no good reason to it. Even if it's eaten natively in your country, um, just stop eating it. It's bad, just just like, it's bad. Stop. It's, uh, wrecks havoc on your endocrinal system because it is essentially, uh, soy is evolutionarily primed To hurt its consumer as much as possible. So please don't eat that. And second thing I would urge you to avoid as much as possible. Is vegetable oils or any sort of seed oils. Any refined oils. Um, I may sound like like a little dictator right now. Telling you what to do and what not to do. But genuinely seed oils and vegetable oils have been absolutely non-existent in our diets for the past they've only been existent for the past decade or so I'd say because you know I talk to my mother sometimes she was on a steady diet of food cooked in either ghee, butter, mustard oil or olive oil, all her life you know stuff like canola oil or palm oil was Or even sunflower oil oil was virtually unheard of. And these oils were initially used as machine lubricants. But then some people decided to start selling it as edible oil. And they go through so many treatments, heat treatments, that vastly change their chemical properties. You have to understand that the seeds and the substances that these oils are derived from are not inherently oily in nature like um like if i cook a piece of meat it has some innate natural oils that start oozing out of it once i cook it you have to understand that sunflower oil rapeseed oil canola oil they don't naturally get oily in order for them to release their oils they have to be bought to dangerously high temperatures, and then treated and retreated again, to create this, um, this abnormal-looking industrial sludge, that is then fed to people. It wrecks their hormonal systems, wrecks their metabolism, which is why we're seeing higher cancer rates. Which is why we're seeing higher thyroid issues, more issues with metabolism. Skyrocketing obesity rates Just Yeah, I know it sound like a conspiracy theorist But um, They're just bad for you And they make you feel terrible So I don't see the point in Eating something Which firstly doesn't taste good If you've ever had anything cooked in ghee You'll know that it tastes A thousand times better Than anything cooked in vegetable oil So It doesn't taste good, and it's terrible for you, so I see no reason in eating it. Um, Secondly, probably try to avoid refined sugars. Now, this rule isn't as hard and fast as the vegetable oil one. Um, You can have an ice cream or two if you want, you know, here and there took it have fun but um still you'd be you'd be better off avoiding refined sugars and sticking to the natural ones and uh, but vegetable oil is just like a no-no in my book it is like the first thing you can probably give up if you want to live a healthier life and you know see gains which is what this episode is all about i feel we're going a little off topic here but yeah So these are the basic basic, uh, outlines of your diet and recovery. Um, Something I say often is eat meat, become the meat. So this is very relevant. Vegetarians, I'm sorry, your soy protein isn't going to cover up anything here. There is no such thing as plant-based protein. I'm sorry, it's the truth. I am the science. Anyways, in terms of exercise, in terms of actually doing exercises at the gym, I'd say your best friends are the big three. That is the squat, the deadlift and the bench press. Some people like to include the overhead press in this, calling it the big four which is debatable, the overhead press has its own importance but um, these 3-4 exercises are essentially your best starting point learn how to do, do these effectively and um, you've got a very good starting point for your hypertrophy journey um, I'm not going to go on explaining how to do these uh, 4 exercises but you can note them down and you know, learn how to do them the best as possible. So that's bench press, squat, deadlift and overhead press. Why these exercises are so good is because they employ the most amount of muscle fiber in your body, therefore giving you a better foundational base strength and uh, essentially laying out the track for future hypertrophy which is basically what you know lifting is about. Hypertrophy, aesthetics, feeling good. Not that, not that complicated. So these four exercises are your best friends. Focus on them, learn how to do them properly. And uh, then you have these accessory exercises, which is stuff like curls, um, leg extensions, um, lateral raises. Um, these exercises are specifically meant to target certain areas, certain muscles. So a lot of people call these cosmetic muscles. Um, like, you know, a lot of people do curls to target their biceps because they want that nice bicep peak. Now, In my opinion, accessory exercises are great. They are very useful and they work. But they should not be given priority over your compound exercises because your compound exercises are a better long-term investment in your lifting journey than accessory exercises so accessory exercises you should be only used when you del- when you when you feel like you're really lacking in a certain muscle group now for me for example i have huge triceps like my triceps stick out of my shirt but my biceps are a little underwhelming i mean they're they're pretty good but they're underwhelming when compared to my huge you know uh, the size of texas triceps so it's imperative for me to do a few bicep kills every time i hit the gym because that is the muscle group which is relatively lacking you know, in my entire orchestra of muscles. So yes, you can do accessory exercises, but do them very judiciously and be wise about how and when you do them. Now, uh, coming to resting and stretching. Stretching is something probably all of us have taken for granted, even me. going to admit I have taken stretching for granted so much over these past few years I mean stretching is arguably one of the most boring parts of working out if you discount cardio Um, firstly I'd like to comment that if you're training six seven days a week please stop Um, you're not doing your body a favor as I said once you work out The point of the workout is to trigger a growth mechanism. Now for that growth mechanism to take place, you need to give your body time to rest and recover, which is when the actual growth will take place. So the ideal would be at least two to four, I'd say maybe even three to four rest days per week. So if you're continuously training four, five, six days a week, please stop. If you're able to train six, seven days, five, six, seven days a week, then it's also very likely you are not training hard enough. Because if you were training hard enough, if you had actually activated your, you know, your growth mechanism, you'd probably not be able to work out for the second day in a row. I know I'm not. Because when I go and work out and when it's really hard, proper intensity, full effort workout, I'm usually not able to get up the next day. So um, maybe keep that in mind if you're able to work out continuously seven days a week without any rest, you're probably not working out hard enough. So a good rule of thumb is to Um, go harder each time you hit the gym put in more effort more intensity which also plays into progressive overload by the way progressive overload means more weight more intensity and a good way to really optimize your rest days your recovery is to stretch stretching allows your muscle fibers to loosen up and um optimize their growth mechanisms and also giving you the added advantage of mobility and flexibility so you don't cramp up your leg while swimming like me <laughs> so um, a flexible and a strong person is a happy person so stretching is essential there is no reason why you shouldn't do it a host of reasons why you should do it so I'd say it's as important as lifting because if you lift and you're walking around like a stiff pole the next day, there's really no point. You have to be agile. You have to be able to perform in whatever athletic activity that is given to you. And stretching is, is essential for that. Stretching is essential to live a happy life. You can't, be all, you can't live all stiff and Hardened up like concrete Um, Forgive the uh, double entendre. (laughs) Cardio, my god, we've finally reached that uh, much wretched part, okay I'm gonna keep this simple Um, HIIT is a scam mid-level cardio is decent jogging cycling decent the best cardio you can probably do if your goal is to build muscle is low intensity cardio i'm talking walking or like you know um a relaxing bike ride or swimming so just stuff that is fun, playing a sport don't go out and start running because when you run that's a lot of stress on your joints and the other ligaments of your body and that actually um, that uh, prohibits a lot of your growth mechanism which is why you'll see that sprinters, sprinters are muscular while marathon runners are usually very skinny because sprinters need that explosiveness so as a rule of thumb if you if you're looking into running marathons and endurance then certainly go for running go for long distance runs go for stamina building but if your goal is to maintain a lot of muscle if your goal is to maintain a healthy athletic body then um, Doing unnatural cardio, and by unnatural cardio, I mean running for 20 kilometers on end, is not it. Because I am very sure none, no one in our human past deliberately wanted to run for 20 kilometers on end. I mean, that's a sure, short, short way to death in those times. Uh, to walk. Cycle, swim, I love swimming. Swimming is arguably my favorite form of cardio. Just be active, have fun. Go out for a walk with your friends, play sport, play football. Um, This is, a lot of times I say, most of self-improvement is essentially going back to the way you were as a five or a four-year-old. And if you see four or five-year-olds, they're bloody active. They're running around all day doing whatever the hell they want, uh, so definitely, you know, just have fun. Cardio is cardio means have fun. Cardio shouldn't be um, suffering and pain. Cardio means have fun. You can save the suffering and pain and anger for the weights. I, I feel it's more well-deserved there, because with weights you can, you know, like, go to war, like like, you know, I'm the man. The weights are my enemy. Yeah, so Another thing I'd like to speak about is Something people call the mind-muscle connection Which is essentially The control you have over your muscles Because at the end of the day Your brain controls everything Including your muscles So How you contract and control your muscles is depending on that connection now as you go through your exercises as you continue to develop strength your mind muscle connection will get better but a very good way to accelerate your progress in the gym accelerate your progress in sport training is to improve that mind muscle connection And there's two ways to improve that mind-muscle connection. The first is to slow down whatever exercise you're doing, slow down, pay attention to it. If you're doing a bicep curl now, many times I'll see people just swinging the weight around, swinging the dumbbell around, hoping to get some sort of effect. If you really want that mind-muscle connection, You have to let your body feel the muscle contracting so do it slowly four seconds in four seconds out slowly just feel it feel it as much as you can and um secondly is i just say whenever you're doing something whether you're in the gym it's a general life tip be present don't go off about Thinking something else while you're doing something else if you're writing don't think about the gym when you're in the gym Don't think about writing Um, Just pay attention. Yeah, and you should be fine (laughs) A lot of people are obsessed with calling me a gym bro like exercise is all i care about but i was recently talking about this with a friend of mine i do believe that the ideal state of existence for a person is to pursue a balance between mental and physical sharpness which essentially means that your bodily sharpness means nothing without mental sharpness and that your mental sharpness means nothing without your bodily sharpness. They are both complements to each other and one is useless without the other. So, for your mental sharpness, create, learn, educate yourself, learn new things, stimulate your mind. And for your physical sharpness, play sport, martial arts, fight, go to the gym, stimulate your muscles, And when you achieve this balance, the achievements of your mind, as in your intellect, your knowledge, and the achievements of your body, as in your muscles, your proportions, your physique, both of them are a lot more enjoyable with the company of each other. They're like cheese and wine. So (laughs) going for one without paying attention to the other is uh kind of stupidity in my opinion and a lot of young men tend to make that mistake they're either heavily leaning towards the mental development side or they're heavily leaning towards the physical development side so that's something to think about um yeah I miss sport there's not a lot of people playing sport around me these days i'm usually limited to either the gym or taking walks around my neighborhood but i miss when people played more sport especially since COVID, people have stopped playing sport completely and uh yeah trust me when i say this though lifting will change your life any form of exercise will um I believe Mishima talked about this, he said uh, the tempering of the body will allow you to um, essentially control the corrosive effect of creation. Because whenever you create something, Mishima was a writer, he was a you know novelist, whenever you create something it takes a little piece out of you, it takes a little piece out of your mind, out of your body. Has a corrosive effect, which is why a lot of authors and poets they die early, because you know their creation takes away their spirit, their power from them. When you're creating something, you're essentially giving a piece of yourself to your creation. And Mishima um, Yukio Mishima, he um, he promoted physical development because he believed that if a person was able to physically develop themselves and create they would be resistant to the corrosive effect of creating because mind you when you create you're giving piece a piece of yourself away but when you're also engaging in the tempering of your physical frame of your physical body there is more of you so you can give more of your pieces away and you can keep rebuilding it it's, it's a wonderful place of invincibility really um, yeah so I think I've gotten my message across for tonight I wish all of you the best of luck um, I hope you guys have a life as eventful as mine and uh, I have a feeling that we'll be talking a lot more very soon And on things that will be a little more simulating and entertaining than uh, weightlifting. So, this is episode 3 of the Great Bath Podcast, wrapping up. And this is your very, very handsome host, charming also, humble also, signing off. Good night.